Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Not just one thing, not just some things, but absolutely everything. My name is Miranda Selwyn and I'll be taking you through the episode today. And with me at the table, my co-hosts, Kristen Barros, Julie Eisentrager, and our special guest today is Kim Brown. Yay! Miss Kim Brown, thank you very much. Yes, the official we must title. be quite formal here. Uh, the alternative is Kim Brown, slow clap. Correct. Yes. Uh, so oh, either one of those clap. is acceptable. If you're sending in any tweets, that's at Kim Brown Slow Clap. I don't know how that works. Do you even have a Twitter account? Uh, no. <laughs> awesome. So that sorts that right out, doesn't yes, it? Yes, right out. <laughs> and we're going to uh, talk about Kim's favourite show. Um, is it your favourite show, Kim? It is my favourite show to uh, hate. Oh, this is going to be an interesting episode. Mm. We have a guest who has selected a show she yep. wants to talk about, not necessarily in a positive light. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm going to stick up for this show because I love it. You would. We're going to talk about Les Mis or Les Miserables, if you prefer. Did you like my little French That was really M impressive. Is, I know, I'm practically yeah. If you could do French. it for the whole show, I would appreciate that. Okay, I'll work on that. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Uh, before we get to talking about my favourite show and Kim's least favourite show, we mm. are going to get to know Kim. We're going to find out some other shows that you may or may not like. Yeah, there's, there's an extensive list. Oh, no. On both sides <laughs> of that uh, spectrum. Okay. Well, we're going to try and keep the episode under 16 hours. So okay. Oh, challenge. Let's get going with the questions. Miss Kim Brown, your first question. Wait, you didn't sing. <gasps> what? Miranda. I forgot about the segment introduction, okay. guys. Kate, <laughs> I'm so sorry. We can go I've had a couple of weeks <laughs> off and I just got confused. All right, here we go. Getting to know you. Now we're ready to start. That's yeah. Oh, I couldn't <laughs> start without it. <laughs> you should have seen the face I just got from Miss Kim Brown. I don't think she liked my... I loved it. Oh, I can't continue you. without it. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. For one million dollars. Oh, <laughs> listening. Which musical character would other people... Uh, oh. oh, sorry. You want me to finish the question? Okay. Which musical character would other people compare you to? Um, other people. Probably every villain ever. <laughs> um, no, I, I think maybe... Uh, um, uh, Matron Mama Morton from Chicago. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I can see it. Uh, the front door. Why? That was my answer. 
For me. No, for me. No, <laughs> Two mummers sitting next to one another. Yes. Talking about Les Mis. Maybe. I don't. I would have. It's not, a, it's not a, a topic I've discussed with many people. Well, I so think it's I'm, something we need to rectify. Okay. And it's probably the first thing you should ask people when you Hi, my them. name's Kim. What musical theatre character do you think I am? Yeah. It's quite oh, that's an intro. It's a good way to gauge your, uh, the development and of your And then it's like, what's music theatre? We can't be friends. Bye. See? How easy it was would that ways. be? <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's get to something you might be more familiar with. Which musical mm. character would you like other people to compare you to? Who do you aspire to be? Well, I was going to say, I don't care if people think the same way, but I really want to be the Lady of the Lake from Spamalot <laughs> just because she gives out swords and it's, it's, she sings in a, like a Las Vegas style round table moment. Yeah. And, uh, it's a very cool On a role. boat, lots of nights. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's just great. It is great. And she gets to spend most of the second act in the in dressing, dressing room. In her dressing room. Yeah. Mm. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. perfect for me. I love it. Okay. I can uh, do that. What is your dream role? Um, my dream role has changed a lot. Everyone says I think, this. Yeah, you know, when you're a kid, there's one. And then you get older. Okay, when you were a kid, what was it? Well, the thing was I, I didn't want to play Annie. I wanted to be Annie. Okay. Until I realised what an orphan was. And I kept telling people in front of my parents that I want to be an orphan, like Annie, and couldn't understand why everyone got, would get upset about that. But I also did want a billionaire uh, to adopt me. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I that, still want that's that. That's a dream. So, I was going to say, that, that could be that's okay. still I still, yeah. So I don't want to play Annie, but I want to be Annie. I think when I was about 12, though, I did want to play Miss Hannigan. And that's on, on my bucket list because she's just lots of fun. Um, I had no idea. I've known you for a while, Kim. I didn't. I didn't know about this hankering to the be Hannigan. part of Annie. The Hannigan hankering. It, well, well, see, <laughs> Annie. Just imagine Kim Brown listening to the Annie soundtrack. That just doesn't seem like really because that was the that was my first musical that I I discovered because it came out when I was about six. I saw, and it was my movie, and I was, it was you know jam. tiny little Kim singing. The sun will come out tomorrow. It was very cute. No, it's no longer cute, but it was oh, cute that was a while back. Cute. That was <laughs> Let um, us know, so Annie's, if you think Annie's up there. That was cute. Um, however, now that I'm much more mature, uh, and I moved, I went through a phase oh, of... We're not too old for Miss Hannigan, are we? No. I'm saying Annie. That's what I was saying. Oh, I was right. kid. I wanted to be Annie. Wait, there'll be an adult version. We're not too point. old for Annie, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I no, own... We had that whole thing about the, the, the retirement home oh, that's right. version of the that's show. Right. Which yeah. was yeah. off air. Perfect conversation. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. Segway. Do you want to hear about that? No, I don't know. Uh, uh, when, I, when I was in my late teens, I'll get us back on track, is uh, I really wanted to do Velma Kelly, uh, but I couldn't dance, so that sucked. Um, and, and Sally Bowles. From cabaret as well, they're good. They're good roles. But now I'm like, oh, that's way too much effort to be a lead. So my dream roles now are any that have one song and two to three scenes where I spend most of it in the dressing room. So, so any of, of those, yeah. Lady of the Lake. Uh, I've done Art March. That was fun. Uh, Mama Morton would be alright yeah. uh, up there. So those kind of ones, just the cameos and villains. Cameos and, and uh, villains. Anyone yeah. Ursula in the cast? Really want to be Ursula at some point. Oh, such a good role. Okay, uh, let's move on to your favourite Sondheim show. My favourite Sondheim show is anything not written by Sondheim. So, Gypsy. <laughs> Didn't he write something? Uh, West Side Story. No, no, he wrote stuff in that. I don't want that. <laughs> so, just anything that doesn't have his name on it is my favourite Sondheim show. 
And we'll move on before we lose too many listeners. Uh, what is your go-to shower song, Kim? It's not a musical song. It is actually... Are, are we allowed to mention this on is the this allowed? Okay. What? Um, it, just because I, I tend to do vocal warm-ups in the shower. <laughs> me, 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 me. And I tend to arpeggiate, is the technical term. Arpeggiate. And I end up singing the Star Spangled Banner. Da, 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 da. Uh, usually on a lip trill in the steaming hot shower. There you go. I think that's that's a wise use of shower time. And I learned a new word. Arpeggiate. Ooh. <laughs> to arpeggiate your arpeggios. <laughs> okay. Here's your chance, Kim. Yep. You have to delete. Les Mis. Okay. And we'll spend the next hour explaining why. Oh. (laughs) Well, in that case, (laughs) let's move on. (laughs) That's this week's news intro. Do you know what? I think I love the face as much as I loved the music that went along. I, I kind of like everyone else's face. Because my Whoa, face... what is Miranda doing right now? An audio interpretation of my face was... What? <laughs> I promised you I'd have another go at the newsreel song. Okay. I love it. I, I love didn't that. Want that. Okay, Let's keep that one. I think we'll have to do more research or work on it or something. In the meantime, <laughs> does anyone have any news they'd like to share from the Broadway? From the Broadway? Way. From the Broadway. Or various other places. Well, no, yes, I, I have I have something that's not from Broadway. It is from West End, however. Okay. I, uh, in my extensive research and uh, keeping up with the times of things in the show's world, yes. uh, have discovered that Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom is heading to London's West End and will be debuting there next year. It's very exciting. Nice. And I, in reading that, was shocked to discover that something was here before it was elsewhere. Well, it's I didn't know that that Australia. happened ever. Yeah. I, I, I figured that. If anything's going to start in Australia, it would be Strictly something from <laughs> our friend Baz. Or Priscilla. Or Priscilla. <laughs> Are they taking the car, original car? Oh, I just read it? the headline. Just, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't click on the article, KB. <laughs> it's clickbait. I didn't click about? on it. It's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I would imagine that the. They are not. Yeah. It's not like they used particular stars mm. here. And no, in fact, there I really think, wasn't. Was I think they well, like went be... through a few, didn't they? While they were touring. They took locally. a long time to, to cast, cast it. it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. So I just would like to know if it's like still going to remain an Australian cast or are they going to pommy it up? That's, um, that's what that is. I think <laughs> you can look forward to some some pommy dodgy accents. Yeah. Will they, yeah, will they still do it in an mm. Australian accent? I feel like you have to. Like, right? There are so many characters where it would suck if they weren't bogan. I, so, I just don't think the comedy elements of it would come through. Although, to be fair, I don't you think anyone else would all. get it. No, I think it can be English. I think it would be fine. Well, we'll see. I don't think there's much that mm. is like... The story transfers. I wouldn't yes. be angry. Wouldn't be angry about it. If they did that to Priscilla, I'd be a little mad. That's true. Mm. It's true. <laughs> if they did the boy from Oz in like all American <laughs> accents, wait. Oh. Oh. Oh, in other news. Oh, <laughs> um, we have Torch Song Trilogy coming back to Broadway. 
Ooh. which is Harvey Feinstein. He originally wrote it and performed it. It was the first show he, he did that in. He's not going to be in it this time, but it is coming back to Broadway, which is kind of That's exciting. Wonderful news for fans of the work. Yes. Mm. Um, I know that this doesn't technically count as a musical, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, Angels in America is a play and it's coming back and Nathan Lane's going to be in it and Hooray. he's going to be amazing. Well, I'm going to allow it in the musical segment right. because Nathan Lane is in it. Right. And he is a friend to me. Musical people all over the world. <laughs> he is indeed. Close personal friend. I saw a random movie on Netflix with him in it. He just popped up in it and I was like, hey, hey, hey you. Nathan, what are you doing here? Were you watching The Birdcage? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say Kristen Chenoweth does that to me all the time, just randomly yeah. watching something and just oh, deck the halls. Oh, just like, so what, great. where did you come from? What I'm is, everywhere. <laughs> just, she just pops up everywhere. She's a pocket great. rocket that she is. She is. Uh, all right. Well, that was very exciting news Ta-da. about shows going places and Isn't doing things. So, Kim, tell us all about Les Miserables. It's time to talk the show. Okay. Well, I made notes because otherwise I probably would just go... Don't. I, I won't forbid do that. you. Okay. All right. I forbid you from making any noises. Oh, I've laid down the law. Wow. I didn't... That wasn't in my contract. Uh, but let's talk about Lamy's and why it came to be and who we have to blame. So it so is many people. based on uh, a novel by Victor Hugo. First uh, person to blame. Yeah, that uh, is in a, fact, long a long book. Probably the key person. If we thought Tolkien was bad, oh, he's got nothing on Hugo. Absolutely nothing. Uh, written in, which was written in 1862. Uh, I found Pretty that reason. it was uh, obviously written in French because he's, he's a French novelist. It was all written in French, and uh, was given a range of titles, including the Miserables, the Wretched, the Miserable Ones, the Poor Ones, the Wretched Poor. The victims and the dispossessed, oh, the vic- which I think. Oh, why didn't they call it the, the dispossessed? dispossessed. How that? Maybe the How French dramatic. word's not so glamorous as les miserables. <laughs> I'll Google as, it. I'm onto it. You're going to Google that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and I sort of felt like we had a theme. I think we've really uh, yeah, we've found the the, uh, the the real crux of this um, epic novel is that it's upsetting. So, yes, go out and buy it today because it sounds really <laughs> charming. Uh, it's well, based on the um, uh, stack of events happening between 1815 and 1832 uh, in Paris, culminating in the June Rebellion. Ah, I remember it well. Oh, yeah. The June one. Mm. I mean, yeah. Oh. No, the May one was awful. Like, it's not really? even worth writing yeah, about. No, the June one, all. though, was And then really they tried good. to have that one in September and it was like, guys, like, God, did, they did this we in June. We did this in June. Uh, the novel is, uh, I didn't know this because I don't care, uh, is divided into five volumes. Oh, yes. The second volume is my favourite. <laughs> is it? Yes, right. indeed. It's five volumes consisting of 48 separate books, which in total <sighs> consists 365 chapters. Yes. So you could do, you know, Les Miserables chapter a day for 2018 or something. Might really, I think it's a really, you know, bright, cheery way to start your day, obviously. Have, have you read it? No. 
being one of your favourite shows, I thought mm. maybe. Has anyone else read it? I have not, but I'm kind of tempted to do a chapter a day. Yeah? Do you think? For 2018? For I out. will. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to because <laughs> I read it. You've read it? Yes. I, is it I worth attempted a chapter a day? challenge yeah it is it is, it is. Okay. if only to get to the end and say i've read it and i never have to do that again it's, it's, <laughs> people have said that about like war and peace it's like i don't care what's in the book i'm just going to read it i need so to I've get done it. through it so that i can say Our achievement unlocked no, but there are some really really interesting parts in it yeah. and i mean obviously it's a book of interest it created a phenomenon mm. you know it was very popular yeah. at the time it's been very it's a classic in literature but i first tried to read it when i was in grade Whoa! Sorry, excuse me. Because, because I I was was obsessed with the musical. School then. I I was obsessed with the musical, and my sister had read the book, and there was a part in it that she read out to me out loud. Yeah. Because it was about um, when Cosette was mm. very young and living with the Tenardiers and how uh, sad and terrible her life was. <laughs> I think. I think. She read it to me to make me do the dishes more often. <laughs> she was like, see, you don't have it so hard. You could. Yeah. And so Shall you were we like, I about? must prove her wrong. Yes, <laughs> book yes. goes further. Anyway. And I will sing about it. And woe yeah. is me. The musical's more fun than the book. That's the end of my story. Kim, please continue. I, I, would, I would concur that that probably is the case. Um, some interesting facts uh, that I have found about the book to start off with is that uh, the character of Jean Valjean was uh, modelled on a real person that uh, Victor Hugo encountered, whose name was Eugene Francois Vidcourt. Oh, well, that would have worked in the show. Yeah, no, oh. no, You can't sing that. Who as... am I? I'm Eugene Francois. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Who oh, interesting. It kind of does work. It does. It kind of does. If you shmish more, the yeah. issue. <laughs> 24601 is quicker yeah. and easier, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, so Eugene was an ex-convict who turned undercover cop in France, and he oh. founded France's first private detective agency. Ooh. I'll bet you did not know that. I did not there know that. Eugene, the PI. That's yes. the second so, thing I've learnt so, so far. So that's where that character, Jean Valjean, who was, you know, convicted and then tried to do good in the, in the world, but failed miserably. Um, so he uh, also... Lay miserably. Yeah, lay miserably. Ha. Thank you. Uh, he, I'm here all night. Many of the characters in the sh- in the story came from people that he'd met or observed or had heard stories about, and uh, yeah, so obviously very original material. Thanks, Victor. The novels are actually labelled by character. Did you know this? Yes, I did. Oh, right. So and volume one is all about Fontaine. Yes, and volume two, my favourite book is. Cosette. Cosette. There you go. The one my sister read to volume me. Volume three is all about some dude called Marius. And uh, I, I have uh, affectionately labelled volume four Eponine because it had some other, it's like this place and this place name and all these things happen, but basically the synopsis said it was about Eponine. And then volume five is Jean Valjean. Anyway, so that all happened back in the 1800s and, and the world obviously didn't uh, stop turning, so we kept moving on. And uh, someone decided at some point to turn it into a musical. We have a few people to blame. Uh, Top of the list is uh, Claude Michael Schoenberg, who has written the music for the musical. And the French lyrics were written by Alain Boubil and Jean-Marc Natal, with an English libretto and lyrics by Herbert Kretzmer. Kretzmer. So now this didn't even exist until 1980, which I actually thought this was a lot older. 
than than that. No, no, not at all. But and in fact, you can blame Bublil or however you pronounce his name for being the one who pitched the idea to Schomburg. Yes. So he carries slightly more blame than the others. Mm, I blame him. <laughs> and so this, it actually started out as a, a concept album in, in French mm. and uh, at about that time. And it started, they did a production in 1980 in Paris, uh, which closed three months later because they just didn't extend the venue booking. So it's oh. just went, all right, we're done now. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> that was a nice show. Let's all go home. However, and here's the next lot of people that I blame. Uh, <laughs> in 1983, a gentleman called Peter Farrago, who was the director, uh, had sent this concept album over to Cameron Mackintosh. Now, there's a London. familiar name. Mackintosh himself had just opened Cats on Broadway oh, six months earlier. So many and was obviously we can twiddling his thumbs for. and looking for something to do. And uh, the only smart thing he did was uh, he was initially reluctant about this uh, <laughs> weird oh. French thing. However, he, uh, he was convinced by Peter to, to, to do something with it. So he, they, uh, they put together a team. So Cameron Mackintosh, in conjunction with the Royal Shakespeare Company in London, mm. uh, put together a production team to, um, to basically workshop it, put it into English. And, and, in fact, the phrase was to adapt it for a British audience. So obviously don't do it in French would be step no. one. Um, so it developed for about two years and then opened in London on the 8th of October 1985. And I'm not sure, but I hear it did quite well. Well, it depends who you ask. Ooh. Because uh, the original premiere opening, the, uh, the critics were actually very negative about the production. And I, I'm, <laughs> going to, long. <laughs> I'm going to directly quote, uh, here is the Sunday Telegraph. They said, a lurid Victorian melodrama produced with Victorian lavishness. Well, see, that sounds great to me. I enjoy that. I enjoy it a lot. Obviously, in 1985, they didn't appreciate that. The Observer said, a witless and synthetic entertainment, which is normally what I do like, so I don't, I don't understand why, uh, why I don't like this one. Maybe that was just a lack of fluoro for the 80s. Maybe. It's true. There you was know, not they're, they're going up against lycra in this production. Yeah, roller skates, no obviously. Where is the synth? Exactly. Hmm. Mm. So, yes, the literary scholars condemned the project for converting a classic piece of literature into a musical. However, the public loved it. And it smashed box office records. It has been one of the longest shows running on West End ever, um, one of the longest ones in the world. It's the fifth longest sh running show on Broadway. Um, and so not as popular in, uh, in the US as it is in old London town. Mm. And then, of course, lots of people have done it since. They've revived it like 45 times. Just let the horse die. And nope. um, they made a movie with some people in it and uh, there's been lots of awards and, and there's even a school edition. Ew. Uh, so that's my history of this horrible show. Why? Why do people we, like this show? It was nominated for quite a few Tonys, though, wasn't it? It did. It, it was nominated, for, nominated for 12 yeah. and it won eight. And oh, that's okay. That's that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, a that's a good ratio. Um, the film, the 2012 film directed by Tom Hooper, uh, of course, starring our very own uh, Hugh Jackman and a whole bunch of other people, um, actually so got three Academy Awards, three Golden Globes, and four Baftas. Oh. So I, love I don't know what's wrong with the you world that BAFTA. they think this is really great, but <laughs> that's the history 
of Lainez. So, after that brilliant history from Miss Kim, uh, let's now talk the very complicated plot and the yes. 1,600 characters in this show. Right. I think the plot is about 2,700 pages long. Um, well, the show is 2,700 hours and long. Can we so. get the... <laughs> We're gonna, Very we're gonna like just like just a bridge version, like wrap it, strap in, guys, because I'm gonna. <laughs> there was like, a man named Jean Valjean. We're gonna wrap it. Can I interject and give you my 30 second, or probably even 10 second? Okay, uh, you ready? Plot three, yeah, two, one, go. Bad things happen. That's life. Get over it. Don't <laughs> sing about it. The end. Sorry, right. I'm pretty sure that's they do rent. sing about it. and <laughs> That's also rent. Oh, my God. Guys. Hey, B, let's do the real thing. All right, Go. picture this. It's 1815, all right? There's this dude called Jean Valjean. He's been in prison for 19 years um, for stealing some bread for his family. He tries to escape. He's been in there for a long time. He's finally getting released. Now, he's prisoner 24601. That's going to come up a lot. Mm-hmm. Remember that moment. Um, and he gets his little, like, bill of parole and promises that he'll never do bad things ever again. Um, he can't find a job. He can't find people to, like, give him a place to live. They so won't give him a chance because they, they think won't he's give a him bad a chance guy. because he's, he's he is a, a bad guy. He's still bread. convent convict. Convict. Anyway, um... And then this bishop is like, come live with me. I'll feed you. I'll give you shelter. And he decides he's going to steal from him um, when the police come to arrest him. The bishop's like, no, I gave that to him. In fact, here's some more stuff. And he just says, pay me back by being a great human being. And he says my favourite line, I have bought your soul for God. It's amazing. Except he's... He's, he got convicted. He got out. Yep. He stole again. He did. Kim, I don't think now, you're looking at this in context. In this, we'll, in this we'll... moment, Jean Valjean's like, yes, I am a changed man. He tears up his parole slip, another thing that you need to remember. And he's like, I'm going to just change my life and turn it around. Flash forward eight years. That sounds like a meme. It is. <laughs> it probably is now. Um, so we jump into the future. Eight years have passed. We don't need to see any of that. And he has become um, uh, uh, Monsieur Madeleine. Um, and he is the mayor of this small town. And he owns a factory where um, Fontaine now works. And um, the foreman is in love with her. And she keeps going, back off. I don't want to know you. I don't, don't want to date you. I think he's in love with her. I think um, he's just Do you know what? I'm keeping this PG, guys. Her? I'm keeping it PG. <laughs> um, and then one of the workers finds a letter from Fantine's um, daughter, Cosette, who's living with the Tenardiers, who we'll meet later. And a fight breaks out and this foreman decides, now's my moment, I'll fire her because that's what makes girls say yes, right? <laughs> um, she becomes a prostitute, essentially. She, Poor life choices. Um, she's forced She's forced to it because she needs Is the she? money to keep her little girl in shelter and food well, yeah. and everything. Um and she tries to fight off this abusive customer and gets uh, arrested. Um, and Javert is now the cop in this town. Oh, my goodness, what? No. Um, as Valjean walks past this scene, he's like, what are you doing? She worked for me and it's my fault and she blames me, so I'm going to help her. He tells Javert not to arrest her and he takes her to hospital. Okay, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. 
Javert's just trying to do his job. Yeah, absolutely. She's done the wrong thing. Absolutely. And Jean Valjean, who always is is obviously like, no, all the crims come to my party house. I will <laughs> no. look after you. No, no, and no. And poor Javert's just trying to keep some law and order in this rebellious... You've got it all wrong. It's Everyone's all looking at this wrong. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to keep going because we <laughs> might get somewhere. We know um, it's going to go, right? Then, yeah. just moments later, um, Valjean lifts this cart off this guy because he's pinned under it, and Javert's like, <gasps> I knew a guy once that had that kind of strength. He was a prisoner, and he, he hasn't been like, he's been a fugitive, and I've been chasing him for eight years, and I don't know where he is, but this could be the guy. Because no one else does wait. No, no one. Except, Eric, no. Uh, um, except for um, Bruce Banner, who's the Hulk. <laughs> so, then at... The hospital, Fantine's like, oh, my daughter and all of the life that I could have had and I've, I've done all this. Like, what does it all come down to? Wind, and wind, wind. Valjean promises Whoa. her on her deathbed that he will get Cosette and he will take her in. Um, so and now he's kidnapping children. And oh, he's like, you're not allowed to interrupt <laughs> anymore. Just she said, will you be a love and take my kid? Um, like in, it's in the song. In the meantime, somebody else has been arrested um, as a mistaken identity kind of deal. They think he's Valjean. Valjean's really guilty about it. He turns himself in. Javert's like, I knew it all along. And then Valjean goes to Javert and says, please, I need to get Cosette. Javert says, no, they have a bit of fight. Valjean wins. He runs away. Then we meet the Tenardiers, who are terrible people. Oh, my goodness, I'm not even halfway through Act 1. Terrible people. (laughs) And they are looking after Cosette. But they are the comic relief of the show and we meet them. We see how wonderfully it's awful they interesting are. interesting how they, they were picked as the comic relief of the show and in yeah. the book they're just terrible they're people. They're just terrible people. Evil. It's like, oh, we need some comic relief in this show. Who should we pick? These really horrible <laughs> characters. So we meet them. Valjean comes in. He gets Cosette. They flee to France. Then we jump another nine years Paris is in upheaval. Oh, no. And they uh, decide to start a revolution. At the, uh, the head of the revolution of what we see is Marius and the character I can never pronounce. Thank you. Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> and they, um, they start thinking of all these things that they can do. We meet Eponine, who's the Tenardier's daughter. In her older form, we met her as a child earlier in the act, who is in love with Marius. But Marius is in love with Cosette, and so a happy little love triangle happens. Then um, Valjean and Cosette... Valjean and Cosette need to uh, uh, escape because Javert's come to Paris and everything is starting to feel really haphazard and slightly askew. And so they're like, you know what? We're really good at running, so we'll do that. Marius decides that he's going to help the girl who's in love with him find the girl he's in love with, which just, don't do that, guys. It's very confusing for people. Um, And then they prepare for the revolution. And then we have, like... A lot of songs, everyone sings about what their part of this this thing is. The Tanadias just want to keep making money off people and be rich and amazing and everyone else kind of just wants to fight and, and do great things. Then we have an intermission because um, you need it just to like... Make sure your brain is, is There's a lot on. happens in that first yeah, act. Yeah, it's a lot. 
It's a lot. But there's no more time travel. There's right? no more tra- time <laughs> yeah. travel. So we've jumped like, what's that now? Like 17 years? That's that's it. Well, the life of Cosette. Yes. Really. Pretty much. It's, yeah, pretty much that. So then we have everyone preparing for battle. Um, Marius uh, and Cosette have to say goodbye to each other. Eponine walks the streets by herself singing about how she loves a boy who doesn't love her back. It's very sad. I, I just, I really like Eponine. Um... Then the revolution, <laughs> the revolution pretty much happens, and um, everyone dies. The end. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not everyone. Not everyone. So then Valjean um, and and Javert continue their kind of battle towards the end, and they one of them loses. They have a love hate relationship. I think they understand where both of them are coming from. But they just can't see. Each other. I, I, they could be, this could be something so that can be could added to, to the direction of the show. Um, and so I think that's the end. I don't know really how to wrap up this show. Oh, it's a lot. No, there's a whole there's a epilogue. There's a whole epilogue. So saves whole Marius epilogue. from the barricade. That's true. I had Valjean forgotten that bit. goes to the barricade when yes. he discovers that Marius and Cosette are actually in love. Yes, Truly deeply. and deeply. dies in the arms of Marius. She does. Yeah. She does. Valjean, while at the barricade, um, discovers that Javert has tried to infiltrate them and uh, is caught out. Valjean is given or asks for the job to take care of him and then doesn't shoot him but grants him his life, which Javert gets really confused about, so he commits suicide because that's what you do when someone says What a tragedy. Um, uh, Marius goes home. Yes. And he has a sore leg. Yes. So it takes him a little while to heal. <laughs> it does. And then Valjean did carry him yeah, quite a fair way because of the sore leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then Cosette and Marius get married. The Tenardias turn up to the wedding because by this time we need the comic relief. We back. need the comic <laughs> relief. Um, back. There's a funny gag with a forks. There are. And um, so it's a show that ends in a wedding. Therefore, it's a comedy according to the rule of Shakespeare. Um, Is that how this works? Yes, but they also die. So is this a comedy or a tragedy? A lot of people die. It's both. It is both. And that's not the last scene. But but the Tanadias do reveal to uh, Marius that he was saved by, or not that he was saved by, but that his new father-in-law killed people at the barricade and here's the proof, this ring that that Valjean was carrying this body and here's this ring that I got from it. And Marius is like, I know that ring. That's my ring. It was me. He saved me. Rah! And, and everything's so amazing. After just promising him that I will never tell Cosette that you're actually a runaway criminal, he grabs Cosette and takes her to Valjean. Who is, who is like dying, dying at this point. Yes. For no particular no, reason. No, I think he's just old by and this point. And that is a thing in the musical. Aren't we all? <laughs> uh, and... And then Valjean tells his whole story in a lot shorter version lot than that shorter. musical. Yeah. Um, but still a long version. And but there's this, it's quite lovely. There is a, well, it, what's really beautiful about it is all the ghosts who come back. Yeah. So Fontaine and strangely Eponine, Eponine who never met Valjean. Uh, yeah, but it's about loving They people. come back and, and take him 
to yeah. the other oh, side. My dad has they a ridiculous some, theory about that. They took some creative license with this in the movie and also added in the priest character yes, to this which moment. Is, which is why my dad now thinks that the priest was actually God the whole time. Oh, I'm wow. Like, what? Well, in a way, He yes. is the representation, I He's guess, the representation of, that, of the church. But that's that's the that's how the show ends, though. That is how the show oh, ends. Thank so God. It is sad he and it. beautiful. Yeah, I, qu- I quite I quite enjoy the I ending of, of the show. Yeah. I love it. Sick. I do cry a little every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. I'm a oh, depending. No, no, really? I'm a, yes. on what I'm a version you're watching. Even the movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm a sucker movie. for the bringing the back of the characters to bring them. You know, it's just you know that's me. It was the way they came and collected him and took him to God. It was just really nice. Now, uh, we didn't the know they could, they could be in hell. The, that we, Maybe. I think we listed every character. The character list is 36, 36 characters long. But There's a lot of them. That's, that's no where we don't need to go through that. We that. Have We've mes- we have mentioned everyone that you need to know because I think they just list the entire cast of... <laughs> Well, there's a lot of them, yes. and you know, and they're all every miserable. character's important, including whore number two and whore yeah. number three. You couldn't, you couldn't do it four. without them. You really couldn't. That was you could sarcastic. do it without whore number one. <laughs> she thinks she's so much better than all the other whores. Uh, so yeah, that's that's plotting characters for lame well, is and done in a very short. Congratulations <laughs> on getting it down so. Right? It's a much. big one because the show is. Uh, three, three hours, hours. long, yeah. at least, at least. Um, it's famous among musicians and techs everywhere because <laughs> they know that there it's is... It's a marathon. There's overtime in that show. Yeah. They're <laughs> going to get paid good money to play that show. Speaking of music and Do you want to talk about the music? <gasps> Can we? I've got some things to say. And it's time for me to talk music. There is a lot of music in this show and some may even call it an opera, though I'm sure Julie is not one of those people. (laughs) It's sung through. It is a sung through musical. And in case anybody's wondering what the difference between those is, an opera is performed using different vocal techniques than musicals. Les Mis is a musical due to the vocal techniques used such as in Cats and others that are sung through. Well, correct. Phantom of the Opera is also one, although it straddles the fence. Straddles. Straddles the fence between an opera and a musical. I would never think of Les Mis as an opera, though by a technical definition of here's some songs and it's held together by sung recitative or however you would like to pronounce that word. Um, (laughs) Close to it. I would never think of it. Uh, I would would never even enter my mind to call this an opera. And then we come to the second point, being that when they started looking at what to call this thing, Mm. which at the time, you know, was... It was an epic sung-through show... That's sort of almost an opera. Advertising Les Mis as an opera instead of a musical would have killed ticket sales. <laughs> oh, so it's there you story. go. It's a very true story. That's why we sat the terminology of putting it in as a musical. Is that why we call others rock operas? Because they're like, guys, it's not, it's not actually, it's you not know, opera. it's not opera, it's rock opera. Come see it's it. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> it won't be three I acts. think again. So still perpetuating the lies that this is a good show <laughs> is feeding into that as well. The marketing. Um, so the public 
the marketing been is a big part of this show, and that to. that is uh, that's a lot to do with the Cam Mac touch. Yes. Cameron McIntosh takes things and he he makes them merchandisable. Massive. Mm. He's very clever. Yes. I need to meet him. He's very clever. Mm. He likes to wear a kilt, I hear. Anyway, who, let's in. talk about the music. <laughs> now, Can um, I just start by saying yes. the music, and I, I don't even mean the characters and the lyrics, the music is probably the one redeeming feature this show has for me. Yes, and I know that the, the whole show is music. I'm glad Correct. to hear like, you say that. that. I I'm get glad that. to hear you say but that you like, like something I'm, about it. I, um, you know, I know many of the songs. I have sung many of the songs. Never in the show, thank the Lord. Um, I've only ever done them for, for solos or concerts yes. or whatever. And musically, uh, hat off to Schoenberg for actually writing really emotive, dramatic music. Yes. However, and that, that as a much... show, it's excessive. <laughs> well, it's musically repetitive, mm. but on Excessive purpose. is the word you're looking for, not on repetitive. On purpose. <laughs> so um, talking about the music as being a very em- emotive mm. experience, that was done quite deliberately in the writing process. So um, Schomburg and I'm not going to try and pronounce his name properly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually sat down before they started doing anything else and they looked at and analysed every character and their mental and emotional state and that's where they started. So it's the music and the lyrics Mm -hmm. which form the book is almost entirely driven not so much by the synopsis Mm. but by the characters and what they're trying to express. And I think for me this is where the show falls down big time and it's something that I've thought about because I've, you know, for years whenever I tell people I like musical theatre, everyone's like, oh, you must love Les Mis. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. And I think for me is that there's no introduction to the characters for me to have any kind of connection with or sympathy with. Oh, and I so it starts, I know, but that's, for me, I'm like, it just starts at the at crisis point for all of the characters. The first time you meet them is, is, oh, my life is terrible, as opposed to, remember when my life was really good and now this thing happened and now I have to deal there with it. There is actually a little bit of hint towards the fact that this musical is going to be like that, though. Like, yeah. we go in knowing... It's called Les Miserables. Everyone's <laughs> going to be miserable. I know, but, but that's what I'm saying, is that it's, it, because there's so much to get through and there is so many characters and they're all miserable. Well, if you look at it from the, from the sense of... You're saying that part of your issue is that they come... Not your issue, but yeah. uh, is uh, that they, you meet them at that point of crisis. If you go back to the theory of musical theatre, which is once your character gets to a point where words are no longer enough and they, ha- they must sing in order <laughs> to be more expressive... Right. This is this is when a song should come <laughs> in a musical. I agree. I'm a talking. I'm talking. Suck. I'm talking. I have so much more to express. I must. I'm gonna sing. I it. need another layer. Yeah. Here's music. By that definition, being a sung through show, we should meet a character at the point where they need to express. But that's what more. I'm saying. Is I've had nothing prior for me to go. Wow, I really feel what you're feeling. I'm like, will you just stop singing at me? <laughs> Please stop. I don't... I have absolutely no care for you and your story because I've had no background. So it is interesting to note that the music in the musical themes are pretty much the only thing that survived from the original French concert album. So when uh, it got translated 
per se into English. The English language version had um, completely redone lyrics. And in fact, the work itself was substantially expanded because it needed to be longer and mm. reworked. <laughs> so it wasn't a literal translation of the French version. It's no. not like they took the French version and went, these well, it words doesn't always this. rhyme the same way. Well, so I've, got I've often thought, you know, that somebody did a really great job of translating that because the rhymes sit so well in the English language. <laughs> it's like it was written in English. And in fact, it was. The lyrics were written in, in English. English. Yeah. And then translated back to French Whoa. for a Canadian production um, that then went to France. Right. Oh, so no. there wasn't a French production of the original show as we know it. Yeah. No. That's right. In essence, the original show as we know it is was English. the London cast, or yeah. was the London premiere. Yeah, Cam Max production. Yeah. So, yes, it was originally written in French, mm -hmm. but the show we know was written in English. Yeah. But all of the themes stayed, and they stayed with the same characters and the same songs and the same placement cool. in the show, pretty much. So there's, there's a lot of repetition in the themes. The musical themes are really strong and the idea of using them again and again in different songs in slightly different fashions uh, is very prominent in this show. It's something that happens quite a bit in sung through musicals and it comes from an operatic tradition mm -hmm. of doing this for characters. But unlike a lot of the other times we see this used where a theme is connected with a character... These themes are connected with an emotional state or an idea and it's less obvious in the English lyrics because the original concept album, those themes were linked by lyrics. Yeah. So um, there was an interesting example of it. Ooh, I found a 17-page essay on the <sighs> recurrence of themes, which I won't one. share with you, but it's really interesting. <laughs> and if you want to check it out, you can check out, oh, what's it called? Uh, Musicals.net. We'll put a link in the comment section. Yeah, maybe look for um, a post by Hanson KD, H-A-N-S-E-N-K-D. He's a musicologist who happens to love Les Mis, Kim Brown, uh, and spent a lot of time analysing the music of the show and he means it when he says a lot of time. <laughs> like seriously, a lot of time. <laughs> so much. Um, but there was um, a comment on that, that whole article where he literally goes through every piece of music in the show wow. and analyses it oh, for the, its themes and musical repetition. Um, who explains that about the motifs being connected to the use of words in the original French lyrics, which didn't survive in the rehash of new English version. So, for instance, in almost all occurrences of what we know as the On My Own theme, La Miserie, I'm sure I pronounced that very mm, accurately. It sounded <laughs> all had the words misère, I assume means misery in them, um, though they were talking about different types of, of misery. Um, so a lot of those theme links are actually lyrical. And when you look back over it, and you, that tends to make a lot more sense. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about song by song-ish. 
Uh, there's oh, quite God. a lot of... I'm not going to do every song on the show. Calm down. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a lot of recitative. Mm-hmm. Or recitative. 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 Yeah! <laughs> I feel like that's how I was it's saying it. It's not necessarily recitative either, which Res- also grinds my gears. I don't know what because any of this means. recitative isn't always structured. Recitative. So sometimes it's up to the singer, the singer. Yep. to choose how they would like to sing that, whereas this is well, not. Well, there's a little bit of that. What mm, song in Les Mis are you talking about in particular? All it's, of the exposition uh, between the character numbers. Right. So uh, that seems to be how, how most of it works. There's um, action that happens in the story and then we have a here's a character song or mm-hmm. a time and place song. Um, the the um, look down theme we hear a lot throughout. It tends to be a linking and that's the very um, recognisable dun, 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 yeah. dun, that starts Good off the show. That that music basically says we are downtrodden people, here we are, uh, in various parts of the show. Uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, <laughs> lots of words and wordy words and word and words and stuff. Uh, this is the uh, introduction of the company, the factory workers. Yeah. They're talking about how life is hard, basically. And we get that again later when we meet all the people who live in... Dirty old France in Paris specifically. Uh, We get a recurrence of that. Uh, Fontaine's character number, I Dreamed a Dream, where we hear her backstory, Kim. So you get to know her a little bit. I still don't like her. Okay. Because all she's doing is whinging about her backstory. (laughs) Oh, woe is me. What, do you want to hear it or not? Is it not? Um, It's a a beautiful song. And again, we get get those themes reappearing in various other parts of the show where people are – doing similar things. They're yeah. thinking about the life they could have had or how things could have been. Um, uh, Lovely Ladies is the next one to pop up. Uh, this is uh, starring whore number one, two, three, four, five <laughs> and all the rest. But uh, this is where we see Fontaine's downfall to prostitution. Um, we also hear that theme a few times later in the second act. So... It all sort of comes back around similar feelings and situations. Yeah, which I think makes the, the revolution more, like, exciting when you get to it because you have seen all of this... The build-up. The build-up yeah. the downtrodden. I, I see all emotional as, yeah. as absolute oral fatigue is that you're asking a lot, particularly considering when it was written, like when it was, you know, it's in the 80s after we've had a, a lot of very different and, and seemingly standard musical theatre of song, scene, song, scene. Mm. You then throw this at people and, and, and being three hours and, you know, it. you really have to pay attention and it's not particularly exciting like actively exciting I it's very downtrodden I, think it's not, I get i'm like yeah but then it builds Go you up it. Yeah. it builds oh. you up to this revolutionary yeah. which then feel you want them to succeed. which is exciting i don't yeah. i want them to shut up <laughs> well they do most of them die and they yeah, shut up yeah that's the best bit uh, but yeah i i think part of what audiences liked about it was that it challenged it felt dramatic and yeah. epic it yeah, wasn't. But it's, it is I'm all the sing way you a through. Song, do a it's tap dance. all the way through. 
and it doesn't let up. And yes, I get that that's all part of it, but it's just, it's too, it's just too much. Like everyone just needs to calm the farm over there in France. <laughs> it's excessive. Well. And, before, I, and it makes me angry. Before we calm the farm, let's go back to talking about the music. Sorry. Javert and Valjean have a few interactions which repeat the confrontation uh, music. What I really like about the way the confrontation works and uh, what, as it reappears, uh, reappears a few times later is that both of them continue to sing but you can feel the line of one coming up out of the mix and then it fades off and the other one takes over. So it really musically displays their struggle of power and, you know, who's who's winning or not quite winning in this (laughs) this battle that they have going on between them. Uh, I will briefly mention I'm on a castle on a cloud as one of the most sung songs from the show, I believe, because every tiny little girl has done it. Uh, and tiny little girls probably aren't singing Master of the House, which is uh, I was the biggest. <laughs> you I one hundred percent was when I was like eight. <laughs> I was built in Master of the House, <laughs> which is the 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 Tenardiers number. It's when we meet the Tenardiers, and um, it it is one hundred percent comic relief. Mm-hmm. It's a big brassy number. It's got mm-hmm. a couple of uh, jokes in it. It's a little crass grotesque. and yeah. grotesque. Um, very enjoyable and probably a lot of fun to perform. I always get that one confused with there's like the, all the drinking songs in other shows like Oliver and Man of La Mancha. I'm like, which ones? I can never keep them straight. I always thought Man of the, um, Man of the House. No, close. Master of the House was from Oliver, but it's not. It's not. No. It's from Les Mis. I promise you it is. Uh, the, we then move on to Paris. So um, we do see a lot of the same themes again, but we're now introducing some other more military sort of driven themes. Uh, There's a lot more driving beat sort of stuff going through. Um, A beautiful song for Javert that just pops out of the story for him, Stars. He's a very very straight-laced character, He's the best. And then he sings this beautiful song full of imagery and I, I really love this moment for his character because if you didn't already understand Javert isn't the bad guy necessarily in this story. Oh, thank you. This is the point where you see it. <laughs> and I think that the music and the way the lyrics are formed in all that imagery really helps you yeah. to like him in a strange way. Yeah, I always come really out kind of feeling way. sorry for Javert. Yeah, you you feel for him yeah. because you get that he is a guy doing his job and he yeah. feels like he is fighting his battle for right and good, yeah. exactly the same way that Javert is. He's yeah. fighting a battle for right and good. Yeah. They're just somehow still on different sides of that battle and a lot of the story and a lot of the characters experience that same Thing in different ways. Yeah. Anyway, though, I just thought it was an interesting thing to point out there. Uh, Do You Hear the People Sing is one of the best-known numbers <laughs> from the show. It's also probably, I would guess, the most parodied number from yeah. the show. This theme pops up musically <laughs> in a lot of other shows that, that do that little grab a, a piece from another musical. Uh, Marius and Cosette have a beautiful love song, A Heart Full of Love, which is is written, it feels to me, just like uh, 
a lovey-dovey young couple song from an operetta. Mm. It, it seems so deliberately written outside the world of everything else that's happening and that is really where Cosette lives. She yeah. lives in a world outside of everything else. She's not part of it. She doesn't understand it and Marius gets caught in between the two. It does actually turn out to be a... Um, trio not a duet because we also get eponine's oh, little piece in the in the end she's the there. lonely helen of this musical oh. Julie. <laughs> she is the lonely <laughs> helen in. absolutely <laughs> um it's a lovely song at the start but i once eponine comes in you mm. you really feel the depth of how those three characters interact yeah. and um the little piece of harmony just at the end i think is really beautifully written for this yeah anyway let's move on the act ends with one day more which is as you said every character just i'm gonna throw all the themes yeah. in there it's like the um the end of the act for west side story but on steroids right it's the bestest <laughs> it's the bestest it's, so it's uh, singing that everyone's the best like i have ever. something to say no i have something to say no i have something to say everyone come on stage so and good. sing your own song but <laughs> all at the same time <laughs> And now people do it as a flash mob thing at weddings, which I don't understand. What? It's not a wedding song, it's guys. It's not appropriate. Really not. I think it was just that one time with the video with the thing. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's all move on. Um, the start of the second act is Eponine's character song, On My Own. Again, a lot of teens who really connect with Eponine sing mm. this shit out of this song with they all really of its do. angst. It's very but angst. Very rarely do they actually do it well. Unfortunately, I'm going to pay so, you that. It's yeah. it's often interesting to listen to. Um, That's being kind. I the next uh, notable character number is Eponine and Marius. They have a duet, "A Little Fall of Rain," which is the most beautiful tear-inducing thing in the show for me. Oh, really? Yes, it yeah. is. Oh, God. And then she gets to the end and she doesn't sing the last word because she died oh. and Marius sings it on his own and then you just like, oh, you my really God. Well, she should have been there in the first place. Yeah, that true, and the fact that was Marius, even though, like, he still doesn't care. We do care. crazy things for love, He guys. still doesn't care. Like someone's just dies in his arms like, and he's like, no, nah. okay, still don't love he you. Didn't right. gonna go find a girl. He didn't know. He, he was, didn't know. He didn't know. He loved they it in a different know. way. So but I, I think you can still have a musical appreciation for the song. It's really... Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a great song. <laughs> and the way the lyrics are put together is really nice. I enjoy it. Bring Him Home by Valjean is um, uh, <laughs> Henry Tenor's worst nightmare. I always thought it was actually a female character that sang So this it. is mostly done in... I'm going to get it wrong. It's not falsetto, but it's something akin to... Is that right? Falsetto. It is falsetto. It's very yeah. high. Um, it's very comfortable for soprano to sing, just put it out there. It's mm. meant to sound like a prayer and I think it does a, a fairly good job of um, imitating that in the orchestration particularly. Uh, the song that everyone fast-forwards on the soundtrack, Dog Eats one. Dog, The Sewers. Oh, Am I, I wrong? That. No, I love it. You love it? Mm. I didn't when I was younger. I was like, oh, this scary, gross song. But I really learnt to appreciate, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, well, I'll let everyone make up their own mind on that. It's good. Um, there's a beautiful reprise of uh, oh, which theme is it? Of the lovely ladies theme, which was the whores. Um, a, a beautiful That's your word of the day, isn't it? Whores. whores. 
I'd just like to mention the whores one more mm. time. That's how they're described in the script. It's not me. Uh, which is called turning. So it's the women of Paris talking about all the people who have died in the battle and um, how nothing in their lives is going to change. They've just lost all of these people. And the, uh, the writing and rearrangement of that tune in that number is very emotive. I enjoy it. It's followed by Marius's Empty Chairs at Empty Tables, which is oh, a number that just... a lot of young men love to... <laughs> And uh, oh, really, that was KB <laughs> emotively Just dying. Emotive. And I know the movie wasn't great, but Eddie Redmayne, he had me. He had me in that moment. It's a great number. <laughs> um, again, I think that number really displays this use of the emotive yeah. music. And uh, other things happen. Uh, the <laughs> Tenere has come back and sing Beggars at the Feast. Valjean's death is a beautiful scene that brings back a lot of themes that recur, but it um, it's also very sort of uh, music with speaking set to it almost. And then there's a reprise of Do You Hear the People Sing as all the dead people come back, which is a little bit freaky <laughs> if you think about it that way. But, uh, yeah. So my conclusion is the music of Lame is is an emotional experience Mm. and there's a lot of angst in it, there's a lot of drive in it and Mm. then once you get into those battle scenes and you you really feel the – that youthful energy that needed to drive change and this longing to – create something that was going to make a better world. I've never felt any of that ever. Well, I met this musical when I was very young and then I was obsessed with it when I was a young teenager. Mm. And I don't think that's an unusual way for people to come to Les Mis because it's it's popular. Um, And particularly at that age that you can identify with being over emotional, yep. Which and it's I haven't it's a being very emotional. <laughs> all of the music and all the emotions are there, yeah. Except maybe just like general joy and happiness. Happiness. happiness about wedding. Hard. There's a little bit at the wedding. Yeah, there's a chorale at the wedding. So mm-hmm. you get four bars in a three-hour piece. Yes. That's okay. Correct. Well, do you want the four bars or not? No. <laughs> I don't want the three-hour piece. <laughs> so. Lots of music. Listen to it. Make up your own mind. Maybe you'll like it as much as Kim. Maybe you'll like it as much as me. <laughs> Enjoy. So there's only one thing left to talk about before we move on to things like our dream cast and the lessons we've learned and what top five lists we'd love to put this show in. We want to know who's been in the show, yeah. really. Okay. And also, well. while you're at it, can you tell us about any really interesting things, like how the show is produced? No. What kind of barricades are in it? The type of that budget they've got. Whether they've boring. used giant LED screens recently. Helicopters. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. I will do it. Um, do you want to do I've it decided, I've decided that... I would like to tell you the characters in whatever order I do so, please. I will not tell you what show they were in. Who are you going to start with? I want to start with, well, Jean Valjean. I'll start with Jean Valjean. Okay. Seems like a very good place to start. Uh, The one name that I'm like, hey, I know that name. (laughs) (laughs) Is old mate Ramen. 
Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. pardon what? Old Mate Ramen. Oh, I don't believe that's his full name. That's that's his full name now. It's his stage name. You know. So, to call, okay, well, if you don't can call you say him... Can say his last name, Julie? Kieran Lou? I have no idea. I say that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just prefer okay. Old Mate Ramen. <laughs> Moving delicious. on. Um, Javert. Mm. We've had Terence Mann. We've had... Oh, wait, are we done with Valjean? Yeah. You're not going to mention Colin Wilkinson? I guess I can, because he did, like, the two very big seasons of Flame Is, but... And uh, reappeared as the priest yeah, in the movie. the movie. Actually, I lie. He did three. That's he, it. a lot of people lot. refer to him as the ultimate and the only Valjean. Hmm. Well, this is... He's not my favourite, but... You even mention Hugh. Julie picks a list. Okay, sorry. Oh, I didn't mean sorry, to interrupt sorry, the sorry, sorry, list. Sorry. I don't want to talk about like, who's would, been in the show. No, it's my If you would like favorites. to know more listeners, then you need to do your own research. Yeah. This week. <laughs> you could bring up the Wikipedia page and read straight off that. <laughs> um, Javert, you were up to. Javert. Terence Mann. Who's currently in Sense 8. Is he? On Netflix. Oh, yeah. the things you learn. Yeah. When you don't click on the link. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll I thought you were Will, Will Smith. Smith. <laughs> you guys haven't seen that version, have you? No. no. no yeah, no, Will Smith's in it. Playing no, Will, Sw- <laughs> Will Swenson. Now things are interesting. Will Swenson. Um, oh, my fave. My personal fave. Everyone's favourite play school host. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so oh, In my opinion, the, the best. best Javert that has the ever best. touched the stage. Yes. My, my personal opinion too. I he agree. was he was Javert on the International Symphonic Recording, and that's it though. So he was on the tenth anniversary concert cast ninety five. That's it. Never actually done it as a full blown stage. Yes, oh. he has. It's he did the Australian production, and then he did the International Symphonic Recording. Scrolling. He was scrolling. in the Australian production. I'm sure of it. They don't even bother to mention. Oh, I wait, wouldn't lie. On. Javert is Patch. Oh no, Hayden T was in the. That was the last. That was the most recent one. That was the most recent. Well, in the eighties, to mention the eighties. Well, in the eighties, Phil Quast. And was it Marina Pryor played Cosette? That that cast list is not even on here at all. (gasps) My God! At all. (laughs) We need to fix that remedy. Wikipedia, what you doing? Any hoozles? Fontaines. Yes. Patty Lapone. Naturally. 85. Patty. Uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, who some people might recognise from, I want to say Rent. I want to say she was Maureen in Rent. I'm going to, I'm going to Google. Uh, I mean, or just go back and listen to one of our old <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, do that too. That might solve the, solve the question for you. Um, Analia Salonga, Ruthie Henschel. Fontaine's had some, some good uh, names. Yeah. Leah Salonga played Fontaine. No, didn't she? She played Fontaine, wasn't she? Fontaine in the 25th anniversary concert cast. She's done both. She's done both. Congratulations to her. This is actually an interesting thing that happens in this show. There is a track for women who do this show forever. Yeah. They start as Cosette or Eponine and then they move on to Fontaine oh, and then eventually become Madame, Madame Tenardier. She did, sorry, she was Eponine in the 95 um, yeah. 10th anniversary cast recording. Yes. Yes, when she was Eponine. Yes. yes. Uh, she'd yes. be a wonderful Eponine, I'm yes. sure. 
beautiful. Agreed. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful dude. Um, Anybody else? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking. She's scrolling. Um, I don't see any big hitters for cassette. <laughs> In your own no, personal opinion. So, so possibly Marina Pryor. Possibly Marina. Well, again, not mentioned. I mean, she was the princess soprano for a long time during that. Yeah, times. So I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty was. sure it was. Anyway, Marius. I can't remember the guy who played Marius in that production. He was quite prominent. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, if anyway. you guys know, can you just comment on this podcast? Just do my job yeah, and, and fix comment. the Wikipedia yes. entry, please. The 1980s Australian cast. Thanks. So Marius, Michael Ball in 1985. Oh yes. Um, also on the International Symphonic Recording. It's my favorite recording. I'm sorry. <laughs> That was intense. Um, correct. Thank <laughs> you. you. Correct. Do you know who was Marius on the 2010 concert cast? No, um, I only listen to Nick Jonas. <laughs> Do you know what? I have a love-hate relationship with Nick Jonas. Sometimes he's actually like he impressed me in like Smash. And he impressed like me that. in Smash too. He d- he did not impress me in any way, shape, or form. In limits. I have not listened to him, so I, I won't. Marius is it? Marius doesn't need to be impressive. I don't think. From for me, really. he needs to have, have a beautiful voice and an innocent face and little puppy dog eyes. He has to have, have an inner strength. Otherwise, it is just well. The, true, boring. he does need to deliver empty chairs at the end. Nice, but yes. for the rest of the show, he is a bit of a sap, isn't he? He is a little. <laughs> That's why we love him, right? That's why Cosette loves him. <laughs> she doesn't know any better. She doesn't know about bad boys yet. Um, another, I'm just going to... My faves. I'm, again, this is just a list of Julie's personal faves. Uh, Tenardier mm. in 2006 was Gary Beach. Oh, I want to <laughs> see it. I want to see it so bad. Probably on the YouTube somewhere. How good somewhere. would that be? I don't think you can go back in time and see it. It was a decade on ago. I can't parties. go back in time and unsee this show. Oh, Kim. <laughs> who, who else, Julie? Um, oh, and Matt Lucas. Another oh. Tanania I would love he to see. He would be see. hilarious. How funny would that be? Oh, you get a lot again. of great character actors in you those two roles. You get a lot of great character actors. Yeah. It, is, it is a great character What about role. Madame T? Madame T. Big hits for Madame T. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's a girl here. Her name is Jennifer Butt. Wow, and you're giggling. <laughs> she gets she gets a mention on the podcast because her name is Jennifer Butt. Sorry, Butt. But what? It's good. Um, nothing major, major. I've noticed that you haven't mentioned any of the people in the movie, Julie. Yeah, but that didn't happen. Okay. There was no movie made. I'll there, go through that in a was. second. There was a movie. It's a different Wikipedia page. Oh, Julie. <laughs> um, oh, where are my other faves gone? Oh, Mr. Raman. Old mate Raman. You started with you that. You started with that. So we're back who I started, started with, who was actually 2014. In 2010, he also, he did um, Enjolras in the 2010 Oh, well, there you concert. go. And now we so talk about the male graduated. track of yeah. people yeah. who stay in this show. They start as a student. They become um, the Marius Enjolras or both. And then... Uh, they move on to 
Valjean. Yeah, Val, the Valjean is there. Uh, I've just done a quick scan to make sure there was no, like, third to that story where it's, like, Gavroche, Enjolras. Gavroche. I just had a little scan through really quick. <laughs> Maybe then the priest, if that's the, that's the true. trend now. All right, so we can talk about... if you Do, do we want to talk about the film? Well, I'm, one more... Well, two more mentions for the Australian original cast. It, because that was... Deborah Byrne as Fontaine. Oh, my goodness. Also on the International Symphonic wow. Recording. Oh and also on the International Sorry, Symphonic Recording. Deborah Byrne? Deborah Byrne as Fontaine. Yes. Amazing. And um, oh, who is the other one? Uh, Anthony Wallow as? Javier. No. Any other guesses? Uh, Not Tanadier. Oh, no, he was... Um, <laughs> he wasn't Tanadier, was he? The no. Okay, Jean-Jean. audience member number five. Angelas. Really? What? Yeah. Oh, way you? back in the okay. day. You yeah. need to I forget he's not as Anthony old Anthony Wallow. You need is. to pop your hand on that handle and shut the front door. Wow. I shut it. I shut it, Julie. Anthony. It's done. Impressive. And the the Australian uh, cast, the original Australian cast, mm. was so impressive that it was actually Cameron McIntosh wanted to produce this complete recording of the entire score because the show has often got bits of it cut out. Yeah. Bits of the... Because it's too long. <laughs> yeah. And also, well, because it's too long and, and because... Repetitive and some boring. Some of the parts are unnecessary to the story or like repetitive or... Yeah. Um, but he wanted to create this complete recording um, and... He selected the Australian cast to do it, to That's record amazing. it. But it ended up being an international cast because they took the concept and went, well, hey, why don't we take a few of the featured performers that have really impressed in other productions and record them all and then splice it all together. So that's what they ended up doing. They recorded it in three different places around the world and they were all from English-speaking productions except for one, Keo Shimada, the Japanese eponine... That's awesome. She learnt the whole show in English <gasps> phonetically and she gives the most beautiful performance on that recording. That's and next amazing. time you listen to it, because I know you're all going to go out and get the International Symphonic Recording now just and one listen more time, to it Miranda? just so you can have the entire score. We will pop a link to it. Yes, in pop the... a link to it. Um, and listen to that performance knowing now that she doesn't speak a word of English. That's Probably incredible. makes more sense that Mind-blown. way. Well... It gives this thing about how the music is so emotionally driven yeah. that it wouldn't matter what the lyrics were in a way because the story's told through the music or the yeah. feeling of it is told through the music, not the story. <laughs> <laughs> the story isn't. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, but please continue with the movie cast, Okay, so the movie Julie. cast, let's, you know, short, quick, let's go. Jean Valjean, Hugh Jackman. Very nice. Javert, Russell Crowe. Less nice. Fontaine, we don't need to mention it. Cosette, oh, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. <laughs> Fontaine was Anne Hathaway. Oh. Cosette, Amanda Seyfried. Uh, Mar- oh, he, they used his full name. Anyway, Marius, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, beautiful human. Enjoras, Aaron Tivet. Uh, also beautiful human. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice in that role too. Or Tivate. Tivate, you, you take there. your favourite. Pick your faves. Eponine, Samantha Barks. Yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> Bishop, Colm Wilkinson, Madame Tenardier, Helena Bonham Carter, Tenardier, Sasha Baron Cohen. That's your big hitters. 
That's the big hitters. That's, that's the the fames. It's a pretty. It's a pretty big named cast. It was, it is, but board. I think that was unnecessary anyway. Like we could have just put people that could stay in time. That's fine. You know what? I'm going to say something pretty controversial, but I didn't actually find Russell so Crowe in in that movie. I liked Russell Crowe more. I know more I know. than Hugh Jackman. Oh, okay. I didn't say that. Guys. I, I did because I was so angry with Hugh Jackman being out of time in one of the first songs that I didn't forgive him for the rest of the musical <laughs> or. Ever. I've not forgiven him. Uh, I no longer like not, Hugh Jackman. Still angry. Uh, this I'm is going to be angry. so awkward when Hugh comes, comes on the show. Comes on the show. Yeah, oh, yeah sorry, will, Hugh. That's uh, not the feelings guys, of all of us. You know, I'll fight about it. Like, I'll with do Hugh it. Jackman. <laughs> I would, yeah, of course. Well, I haven't I watched don't... the movie because I hate this show. I think you should watch the movie. Oh, you should. should. It's painful. Just so you can have an opinion <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's not that painful. I, I was a little disappointed in it because of some choices that were made. Yeah. But at the same time... But they're still doing lamies. Yes, that's true. Okay, right. so what really, really grinds my gears about this is that they're like, oh, they were filming it live. So, you know, if there's any vocal issues, it's because they were so caught up with the emotion of, of what they were singing. And I'm like, no. Yeah, welcome to live theatre. What theater. do you think a musical is? But I, don't, I think a lot of... Because they're all film actors... There no is a excuses. difference. But even if you watch the Oscar performance of it, you watch these these guys timidly perform this massive musical theatre song and then Aaron Tveit just comes on stage exactly. and he owns it because he knows what he's Which doing. Means. So don't so put... They should not have <laughs> been cast. Yeah, yes. but then you look at the Jersey Boys cast in the movie who did come mainly from the stage show and it was painful to watch because they hadn't done film acting before so everything was too big and I think there needs to be a balance of it in some way. I think if you're going to make a film, and particularly if you're going to cast it with film stars, then make a film. Use the benefits of the medium. Yeah. Record. There's a reason. Yeah. I I agree with that. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Or don't make a film of a stage show. Leave it on the stage where it was written for. Yeah, but you also bring a new audience to the show too. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) We're going to get yeah. comments on that. That's yeah. what grinds my ears. <laughs> I feel like this whole episode is going to get a lot of comments. Good. Feel free. Feel yeah, free comment to away, stick guys. up for Lamers. Feel free to agree with Kim. Because you're right. Call us out individually. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Do it. Um, tell me how much you love the International Symphonic Recording. <laughs> I'm still not going to listen to that, by the way. Julie, do you want to tell us anything about barricades? There are barricades? Yeah, there's barricades. They spin... How the do end. they spin? People well, it was, a, it was a big revolve. thing at the time. And again, this is Cameron McIntosh taking on a project and making it bigger than Ben-Hur. Yeah, he awesome. wanted to create something epic. He that was there in the music. It was a really long show. It was a huge orchestra with massive orchestrations. Let's make a really impressive stage set that meets that same level yeah. of epicness. So um, he and... Probably a very large team of production designers. <laughs> no, just, I'm sure it wasn't just him on just, his kitchen just table. Cameron. Uh, but the the concept that is a Cameron Macintosh show was pretty much born in in this. I mean, it, it happened in Cats, yes, but this was that so many sort of Epic. at the time super special effects yeah. and the building of the barricade scene became really like 
an iconic part of the show when those huge pieces of set came from different sides of the stage and came together to create the barricade yeah. and then it all spun. And a lot of the direction, the original direction from Trevor Nunn, um, who also had a hand in redrafting the book. I'm not sure which part of the show is the book, uh, but <laughs> he made some adaptations. He's like, oh, we don't need this bit. Probably cut, cut, cut. I think that's probably what he did. Uh, he, it, all of the blocking that he did using the Revolve was um, really a, a step ahead technology-wise yeah. and... Um, Visually, it was something a lot of people hadn't seen. So it then set the bar for a lot of shows that came after that as yeah. far as I want to see a massive Broadway show and that's part of the momentum of the And the they're Cam still Mac doing thing. it now that they've brought it back. They're like, how do we make it better? How do we make it bigger? Well, how do we make it... Well, controversially, they took away that iconic building yeah. of the barricade and the Revolve, which were these these things that were stuck with this yeah. show, people's idea of this show. They thought, let's do something completely different. And they did. Um, so now they, the new Cam Mac production yeah. is a, they use a massive screen at the back of the stage and a lot of, um, well, they're not projections because they're like TV screens. I assume they're giant LED screens. Mm. Um and they use a lot of visuals from artwork that was created from the original novel. Yeah. It's not actually Victor Hugo's artwork, I think. Don't quote me on that. But it's somehow really strongly connected. So there's not been a lot of new original ideas in other productions, no. but that big shift from the revolve to the screens yeah. was a big one. So anyway, a few interesting things to note about revolves and low moves. Neat. <laughs> Let's find out who's in the Dreamcast, shall we? Yes. So who's in the Dreamcast? Who Not do we want to see? Um. I want to see Kim Brown as Tanadier, <laughs> as Madame Tanadier. Yeah, right. If I get paid a lot of money, I, I'd do it. I would have liked to have seen Joel Grey once upon a time as Tenardier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Marius or something. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, how, how once take. upon a time? Oh, no, I just feel like he might be a little bit too old now. But I suppose well, now he's a, now he's a Vajron, right? That's, that's how uh, that works. Is that the track? No. I don't know. <laughs> I can't no. remember. No, I know it's the movie cast, but I really enjoyed Sasha Baron Cohen's Tanadia, mm. and I would like to see how he does on stage and see whether he can bring that same life to it in front of a, a live audience. Because I think he would feed off audience reaction. Feed off, it. yeah, yeah, and it would just make that role so much bigger. Potentially make the show longer as oh, well. Oh, so much longer. <laughs> so we'll be in for a four and a half hour show. That <laughs> sure. Um, actually, my. One of my favourite interpretations of this story is mm. the movie with... Oh, the who original? was it that played? Oh, yeah. Valjean. Anyway, Jeffrey Rush played Javert. Yeah. And I would love to see him in the musical. And yeah. I'm upset that he didn't play Javert in the film. Yeah. When they announced they were doing the film, I was like, Jeffrey, now's yeah. your chance. The original it wasn't musical him. movie. Yeah. I was we were very upset. forced to watch that in grade six. <laughs> I, I would like to see an Australian version mm. of... Like, oh, I suppose it could be anywhere, but an Australian cast that includes Magda. 
as Madeline Tenardier. Magda Because it. young. But also, that would also be a four and a half hour show. Yeah. Too. Potentially. With Magda as Madeline. She'd be great, though. Should be, should be excellent. Can we just can we just cut the, the Tanadia bits into our show, like a cabaret on tour show? Yeah, and why take not? the Tanadia's on tour. Oh, let's just do that. Tanadia's on tour. Sounds fun. <laughs> Dear um, production people, for the record, <laughs> yes. I'm putting Zach in as Angela. I was just about to mention it, but I'm so glad that it wasn't Zach. me again this week because Ephron. Let's now move on from that. Because um, well, no, I have Zachary Levi actually as oh, Angela. As Angela. Yes. They're going to have to fight it out. They'll have to like a Hunger Games style barricade. They'll have to fight it out at the barricade. Either or. Any more? Any more? What about some some lovely ladies? Not the horse. The other one. I have Audrey McDonald as Fontaine. Oh, that yes. would be beautiful. Yes. That would be really okay. lovely. I might watch that. <laughs> yes, I would probably yeah. 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 Yes, guys. I well got done. Back in. Well I done. They did it. Oh, I just want to watch her sing this song. I want to watch the whole show. You still have to watch her sing. No, I'm not watching You can shut your eyes for the rest. I Put think I did in the last production. Oh no. Um, Lindsay Mendes. Uh, she might be a bit oh, too old to play Eponine now, but I think she'd sing the oh, pants actually, off yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about Cosette? We got any Cosettes? Britney Snow. I thought you were going to say Britney Spears. Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like Britney Spears to play Cosette. I feel like she's got that really okay, um, well, light it? and how's innocent it? touch to um, her. An inappropriate pop star in a role. We've got Britney Spears as Cosette. Okay, um, yes. Rob Mills as anything. <gasps> Rob Mills as Valjean. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, no. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. We just lost a Patreon. <laughs> Ed Sheeran as Javert. Oh, yes. Amazing. Oh, this is a fun game. Let's do this one instead. What about, I don't know if there's about, ever been a redheaded Javert. I don't think there ever has What about been. Nick Jonas as Marius? <laughs> Inappropriate. Now, 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 Good. That was fun. Yeah. Well, Katie's still got to put, put an inappropriate pop star on the table. Mm, so many to choose from. Maybe... Who haven't we cast yet? Lady Gaga as Madame Tenardier. Oh, no, like, that's appropriate. Oh, I think I Lady would. Gaga is Cosette. I watched the Miranda heck out of Lady Gaga. Same page tonight. It's Lady Gaga is Cosette. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Baby and big. Both. I, I would really love our listeners to cast the entire show with inappropriate pop, pop stars. Yes, please. And then let's get the, the, the we'll send the an new email international to uh, symphonic recording. <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send Cam Mack an email and uh, be like, "Yo, yo, we've got this for Half you. Half the job's done. Just give us your credit card. So help us out. Help us out. Um, we could put in." Uh, some really great child stars yeah. in the younger roles. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> what top five lists are we putting Les Mis on? Top five French musicals sung with a Cockney accent. <laughs> that is confusing. <laughs> and yes, I, yeah, all right. I don't know how many others there are. I'm going to put it in the top five Cam Mac shows. It's also Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast, actually. But it's not saying like it's not sung in a in a, well, in a, cock- a cockney accent. accent. It's just sung in a any accent you feel like at the time. Anyway, yes, top five ticket back shows. <laughs> it's great. Top five memorable flag waves. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. My list sure. very specific. <laughs> yeah. Top five parodied songs slash musicals. Yes. Yes, definitely. Top five 
Barricades. <laughs> Top five yes. uses of a revolve. Mm-hmm. Yes. Top five whore heavy musicals. <laughs> There's a lot of it, ju- it might just make it in the top five. But it's a okay. good one. Yeah, yeah. It is a good one. They're memorable. Musical. They're memorable in the show. Yeah. So I think that's what puts it into you the top five. You enjoy their performance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Poor chorus. Mm. Mm. Um, top five convict turn good. How many of them? I wouldn't were? even put this in the top I five convict you. turn good shows. Can you think of any other about eight or nine on my list? Oh, there'd be a whole lot of blanks. It still would not be in the top five. Top five shows that Kim Brown loves. It is the top of the list. It is the top of the list, followed closely by a lot of. I'm sure that you're not the only one, and uh, some people listening to this. I know they are rare, but we are precious that that are truthful and honest with our opinions about this show. Mm. You've all been brainwashed. There's something in the lyrics. If you listen to it too many times, yeah, and then you listen, listen to, to it backwards. Music. If I listen to it backwards, then I'll be yep, told yep, about brainwashing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been translated into 22 languages, so That's they'd be amazing. doing a good yep. job to put the brainwashing into all of those lyrics. Top five love triangles. Yeah, I'd pay it. Mm. Top There's five shows that should of... no longer be used for audition pieces. I oh, would agree with that. Actually, I would yes. agree with that. Please, God, please. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah. Top People five. It. Take it out of your repertoire. War slash revolutionary musical. Oh, I think that's like a double too. Top five revolutionary yeah. musicals yeah. because it was also revolutionary. revolutionary and also revolutionary. Mic drop. Walk All right, up, I'm Miranda. calling time on this podcast. <laughs> we are done. Are we done with top fives? I think we're done with top fives. Okay. So, what lessons have we learned from Les Miserables? Be good and good things will happen to you. Don't be bad. Don't be bad. Don't steal things. Don't be a prostitute. Is is giving us a very shaky not to be a prostitute. I think it's okay to be a prostitute. You just need. Yeah, we don't know what happened to the, all the other prostitutes. Maybe they're they, fine. They, they might be having a wonderful like time. Everyone's dead. Maybe they went everyone's to university. A ghost. And, don't, don't build barricades. I learned the oh, word arpeggiate today <laughs> <laughs> because of lamers. A related lesson. Yes. Um, I learned that to love another person is to see the face of God. Oh, I just want to point out because I mentioned it a few times. I, I'm yeah. Sorry to anybody, but I'm not particularly religious myself. Mm. But I, I really somehow connect, and I think it's the music yeah. to the the religious references in the show in that they're not really about be religious. They're about live a good life and experience Mm -hmm. love and the imagery Mm -hmm. is really nice. So I'll love that. I think it's a lot about being the best possible version of yourself, even if that sometimes is different. Javert is always aiming to to do good and be good, even though some people see it as a bit skewed. And same with Valjean. Yes. Is that it is that constant aim of... Yeah, I like it. I learnt that you can die in someone's arms and they still won't love you back. (laughs) And that 
that's where the knife goes in and gets turned a little bit before they Lessons of life. Wow. That's some truth. Hashtag like me. Hashtag real talk. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. that. I also learned that red is the blood of angry men. Okay. Mm-hmm. And black—that's the color of despair. Oh, we didn't know this before. No, I think no, it's cool. No, 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 actually, okay. I, I did know, but but like, Ms. really sort of okay. cemented it out. Yes. Just went no, definitely red, passion, love, blood of angry men, black, despair, other bad stuff. <laughs> Done. Yeah, cool, great. <laughs> Lesson. Where was that Learned in our that? synopsis section? <laughs> oh, we missed skipped it. over it. Oh, yeah, missed it. Yeah. yeah, it didn't seem important at the time, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've just I've learnt that um, I've given Lamies about six chances, and I still don't like it. I've tried. When the latest tour came round, I went, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and see it again. I'm going to clear my head. I'm going to go in with an open mind. And I hated it. I like the music. I like individual songs. I love. I agree with all the points you've all made. I just hate it to sit and watch, sit through it as a show. Yeah, I That's get it. So I get it. I hate a lot of musicals. So perhaps <laughs> the lesson you've learned is you can love something and hate it at the same time because mm. everything has different parts that you might like, but all as a whole, maybe it doesn't. Quite work. Quite for you. Turn you on. I, like, I like all parts of a chicken, like when it's roasted. That's really oh, tasty. That is, no, no, no. But you pull the entrails. Yeah, and you stuff pull the entrails out. out. Well, I don't eat do the bones. And does anyone really eat the little tail? I, I mean, I think the Pope's nose to wrap this one up, Worse guys, before yeah. I vomit yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. We have spoken about. Lame is. Thank you, Kim, for sharing it with us. I think it was my pleasure being here. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, it was definitely our stirred pleasure to have Stirred some you. emotions in there. <laughs> I'm None sure of them positive. we have stirred a lot of emotions among <laughs> our listeners <laughs> as well. And you can feel free to share your emotions mm-hmm. with us, musical or otherwise. Uh, you can find us on our website, our home on the web, if you like, at thatsnotcanonproductions.com slash M-T-M-E-I-K. Contact us on Facebook, Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know, our Twitter handle at Musicals Teach Me. If you want to send an email to us or maybe for us to pass on to Kim for you, Musicals <laughs> Taught Me Podcast at gmail.com. Uh-oh. You know, if you have like a whole essay to write or something, I that's where you want to send it. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) Subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Give us a rating and a review. We'd love that. That helps us to get out to more people so we can share shows with them like Rent and Les Mis and other things that we actually like. (laughs) Exactly. And lastly, if you would like to support us in our love of musical theatre... I'm sorry, I'm just getting so emotional about it. You can become a patron of the arts by going to patreon.com slash musicals taught me everything I know. Type out the entire title. Really commit to this process. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can get two bonus episodes and a bunch of other fun stuff. Only a dollar a month. Only one dollar a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. (laughs) Less than a cup of coffee. Far less. Far less. Unless you're getting your... $5.20 for a cup of coffee yesterday. That's a lot. I could have supported 5.2 podcasts at that rate. You could have. That's 5.2 months worth. Or five months worth. That's right. So anyway, 
help us out. Do us a solid. Please. Uh, <laughs> get in touch. My name is Miranda Selwood. I have been your host today. And yes, I did just ask you to do me a solid, but, you know, take it as you will. Joining me at the table, Kristen Barros. Julia Eisentrager. And one last time, give a big thank you and goodbye to Miss Kim Brown. Yay! Thanks, Kim. Bye. Thank you, Kim. Um, don't hold me liable. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye to all of our listeners. Have a great week and we'll see you next Friday. Bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.